The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came to be through him, and without him nothing came to be. What came to be through him was life. And this life was the light of the human race. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. A man named John was sent from God. He came for testimony, to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came to be through him, but the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, but his own people did not accept him. But to those who did accept him, he gave power to become children of God, to those who believe in his name who were born not by natural generation, nor by human choice, nor by any man's decision, but of God. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we saw his glory, the glory as of the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, The one who is coming after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. From his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace because while the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only Son, God, who is at the Father's side, has revealed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In the responsorial psalm this morning, We sang beautifully as a response to the first reading today. Today is born our Savior, Christ the Lord. Today is born our Savior, Christ the Lord. If you look at the semantics of the responsorial psalm today, it is in the present tense. Today is not today was. Today is born our Savior, Christ the Lord. He tells us that the nativity of Jesus, inasmuch as it happened 2,000 years ago, is not just an event of the past. What we come today to celebrate is not just a commemoration of historical event that happened 2,000 years ago, but rather 
this great feast of the incarnation of God, assuming our flesh, continues to transform us in magnificent ways. If it's not just an historical event that happened 2,000 years ago, what is it then? If you look at it, the birth of Christ continues to happen in our own lives. The birthing of the person of Christ as part of our call to discipleship is a day-to-day call. It is part of who we are because the truest and the central call of every believer is to make Christ present among us in each and every one of us. If that is the case then, the nativity of our Lord, His birth, is a lifestyle, a vocation. As I was reflecting on the responsorial psalm and, uh, and the newness and the presentness, if there's such a word as that, that, that it echoes to us. It reminds me of a poem that I read a couple of years ago on what is the work of Christmas is all about. It was written by an American author and philosopher and also a theologian by the name of Howard Thurman. And the poem was entitled, The Work of Christmas. He wrote these beautiful words. When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and the princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flock, the work of Christmas begins. To find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among brothers, to make music in the heart. This is really what the spirit of Christmas in the end is all about. Have you ever thought that maybe the work of Christmas as enumerated by Howard Thurman in his poem is what it means and looks like for the Word to become flesh and live among us? Sometimes we can just go through the routine. It's like, okay, it's 25. Tomorrow, it's just an ordinary day. My dear friends, we are gathered here today, again, not just to celebrate an historical past, but rather because we truly believe that Christ needs to be reborn among us. I love the first reading today from the, first read, from, the, from the book of the prophet Isaiah. And it gives us the purpose of why Christ came in the first place. The, the prophet Isaiah said, Break out together in song, O ruins of Jerusalem. Break out into songs, or ruins of Jerusalem, for the Lord comforts His people. He redeems Jerusalem. 
He comes to restore our ruins. He comes to console us. He comes to comfort us. But in the end, He comes to redeem and save us. That's why, my dear friends, the wood of the manger is the prefiguration of the wood of the cross. Because He'll gonna complete this restoration of whatever ruins we find ourselves into, whatever mess we find ourselves into, whatever tragedy we find ourselves into, whatever disaster we find ourselves into, He will fulfill and restore all of that in the cross. And it comes to us in the simplicity and the ordinariness of the stable, of the manger. As I was waiting for the opening hymn to start this morning, and, uh, and the choir was singing the, the carol, the one, one song, and I was just looking at the sanctuary. And I realized, wow, we see in here the history of salvation. And what do I mean by that? The, the, the time coming into one place, all at the same time. The Word, which has always been spoken at the very beginning of time, became flesh. You see it right here. You see Christ right here. His incarnation, His coming, His becoming one of us. And that word has always been proclaimed. You know, the word of God is not just a nebulous kind of thing hovering over us. It became flesh. And it's right here. And he became one of us and eventually grew and did the will of the Father, the mission of the Father. And eventually, he fulfilled whatever has been spoken in the nativity on the cross. The wood of the manger was fulfilled in the wood of the cross, the ultimate sacrifice. And you know, the, do you know what the meaning of the, of the word Bethlehem? Bread. Bread. And that bread... The bread who was born in the, in the stable, in that piece of wood that was used for animals to eat, would eventually become the bread of life for you and I, and that's what we celebrate right here on the altar. And this bread of life that we receive here on the altar is the prefiguration of the heavenly banquet that we would share in the end with Him in, the rest, in our own resurrection. Right in here. And that word that was spoken in the gospel today is also proclaimed right here, the word of God. And whenever you hear it, it becomes flesh in you. So you see, the whole history of salvation is right here in our midst through signs and symbols telling us, this is how much I love you. This is how much I want to restore you. This is how, what, how much I want to, to make you feel 
for you to understand your ultimate dignity before me. That is why the opening prayer today is also a beautiful rendition of what Christ, of what this nativity is all about. O God, who wonderfully created the dignity of human nature and still more wonderfully restored it, grant, we pray, that we may share in the divinity of Christ who humbled himself to share in our humanity. Do you truly understand the great dignity that you and I share? You know, if God wanted to be like us, we better value whatever dignity that we have. <laughs> that is why this is not just an historical event of the past. It speaks of your profound reality. I was talking to a good friend of mine not too long ago, actually just last week, and uh, we had um, a dinner um, appointment, so she was just checking if it's, still gonna, if, if it's still gonna push through because of the business of the schedule. And then she was telling me, said, oh, Father, I'm just so disappointed because I miss I miss the Advent penance service in my parish. She lives in the east side. Then I said, oh, what were you doing during that night? Uh, were you working? She said, oh, I was just in the mall because that was the only time that I have to buy presents for the family. And then she paused a little bit. Then she said, you know, to think about it, I have presents for everyone, but I forgot to take care of the present for the very reason why we celebrate Christmas. And the only thing that he is asking me is not a material present, but a clean heart. And then she, she said, please, let's push through with the dinner, and if you can just bring your stall, and I'll meet you in the parking lot in the restaurant, and if you can hear my confession before we go to the restaurant. And I said, you're putting me on the spot. Of course, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> but she realized, she realized that Christmas would not be Christmas if Christ is not at the very center of it. And Christ doesn't ask for anything else except a clean heart, a transformation of the heart. And you know, he doesn't even say, you know, you're going to do this on your own. This is your gift to me. No. He tells us, I'm just going to ask you for your open disposition to be transformed anew, and I'm going to be the one to transform you. And you know, the, the readings at Midnight Mass, I, I'm actually a little bit surprised that my head is still working because um, we finished at two, well, after everything this morning, and the choir is here too. You know, they sang at the midnight mass, uh, really at midnight, guys, not at 10, <laughs> but midnight. Um, the readings last night was talking about the full restoration of the human person the full restoration of the human person. 
Sometimes we feel like we are unredeemable. Sometimes we feel that there's no hope. Sometimes we feel like it's just a mess all over. But when you think about it, God assuming your flesh and my flesh, it gives us the profoundest hope possible that we can ever have. So if you're like feeling like you're one of those ruins that the first reading is talking about today, he comes to restore you. He comes to piece you together again. I, I, I was sharing last night that this has been like a, a difficult week here in the parish. Just, you know, um, accompanying parishioners in whatever they're dealing with. There's just so many deaths. So, I mean, not deaths, but people dying. You know, for the past several days, just unexpectedly. And accompanying people through this grief is not the easiest thing to do, especially during this time of the birth of Christ. But I realize this is precisely why Christ is born for us, to accompany us. And there's no greater solidarity that God manifested to you and I than Him assuming our humanity. Because, you know, He could have just said up there in heaven, as what I've said before, I'm just going to send my, my angels to take care of you guys. You're so hard-headed anyway, Right? I'm just going to send my angels. I'm just going to send intermediaries to take care of you. But no. He became like us. He walked side by side with us. I hope that what we celebrate today is not just historical past for you, but rather it is your story as well. Whenever you look at the manger, look at it as your own story. It, your, it is your story between God and you. Christmas is always taken in the context of gift-giving. And you know, what Christ is asking from you and I is our humanity with all its wonders and mess. That's what He's asking from us to give to Him. And what is He willing to give us is His divinity. His divinity, His eternal life, His divine life. And that is the best exchange of gifts that we can ever experience. That's the best exchange of gifts. Make your life joyful. You know, like truly joyful and not just coasting like water lilies. Because God assumed your flesh and my flesh because it is good. It is wonderful. Merry Christmas, my dear friends. And I truly wish you all the joy and all the happiness of this season because God loves you and God redeemed you. God saved you and will continue to save and restore you.